Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. And as that song says, Lord God, the mountains that are in front of us, Lord, will be thrown into the midst of the sea, Lord. God, we have faith in that, Lord. Oh God, we believe, Lord, that whatever is in front of us, Lord God, whatever is facing this church body, Lord God, that you are greater than it, Lord God, and it is well with our soul, Lord Jesus. Our hope and our faith and our trust is in you, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that tonight that you would speak through me, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would make me transparent, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, will be anointed from you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you. It's your holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I don't know how to start. So... Bear with me. I, uh, I want to be sensitive to the facts of what I want to talk about, but I also want to portray how bad some things in my life are, <laughs> if, if I can say it that way. So um, tonight's message is about loving your enemies. Um, so, I've got some enemies, as I'm sure you do. Um, so, I'm going to tell you how a couple of these people became my enemies. Um, to start off, um, my boss is 36 years old. He's um, fairly young to be a superintendent. I'm in a position of an assistant superintendent position, I'm 31, which again is fairly young. Uh, the elementary principal that I, I work with, um, I'm his direct supervisor, is also 31. <clears throat> you can imagine that directives from the three of us go over like lead balloons to veteran staff. To start, one staff member was written up for their actions. Um, they essentially left work early uh, without permission, and they were written up. And when they pursued a resolution, and the superintendent denied that resolution, uh, the staff member took extreme measures, um, which resulted in um, the three of us being named as uh, defendants in a civil rights allegation okay, for age discrimination. I like to think that I'm um, capable of working with anyone. I think I'm sensitive to people. I think I'm a compassionate person. That was an extremely hard time. To read your name on a piece of paper and have to submit an affidavit defending lies. Um, lies so far as to, to, to put you words in your mouth that weren't said. Lies so far to make allegations saying that you refused to train them on new technology. Um, just flat out lies. <clears throat> I preached in February about forgiveness. Um, and I'm still working through that forgiveness, church, because it's hard and it faces me every single day. And, and that's 
I can talk about it now because the Ohio Civil Rights Commission has dismissed the case as uh, devoid of fact. So that was, um, it, it was a relief, um, but then the next day there was a, uh, an appeal essentially. Um, but in the appeals process, then we get word, we get a letter back saying <clears throat> that she presented new evidence, which the evidence were now more lies. Um, and it's hard to not be angry. It's hard to forgive. And it's hard to love your enemies when it's just a blatant lie. Um, it's slanderous defamation and, and writing is libel. And so that's where I'm at. So I, I know that the past year and a half or so since I've been preaching, uh, I've been going through the Bible, just where our Bible study is at. So I need a little bit different tonight because this is where I'm at. I'm, I, I, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I know I'm preaching to my wife who has some enemies that she works with. Um, that's one, okay? That's one enemy. And I ask you to pray for that individual. Um, she needs Christ. Um, the bitterness in her life is unbelievable. Um, and so, pray for her, church. She, she needs Christ. The other one, <clears throat> the other enemy, um, we've been charged by the Board of Education to set high standards, um, to, to have high expectations for our staff. And I had an individual who I had given three directives at the beginning of the school year and told them that when I observed them, when I came in and watched them, I needed to see these three things in their classroom. Um, over the course of the year, I saw glimpses of it, um, but the, the way our, our, our agreement with the staff is, you get what's called a limited contract. At the end of that limited contract, the board can either non-renew you or give you contract extensions. Um, and... I had the weighty decision to tell my boss, yes, give this individual a long-term contract. And if you do that, you enter into what's called just cause. And to get rid of that individual, you actually have to have reason above and beyond pedagogical ability, uh, their ability to teach. You actually, it enters into um, just cause. So um, I had the weighty decision, and, and I could not sign my name to say, yes, this individual meets the standards that the Board of Education wants us to hold. And so, unfortunately for that individual, I had to recommend to my, my supervisor non-renewal of their contract. It's public knowledge, so I, I feel that I can speak of that. <clears throat> because of that, this individual took um, the legal action, which is a five- or six-step process, uh, we are in about the fifth step, which is a hearing. So tomorrow I have a hearing um, in which I have to sit down with a court reporter, testify, and their attorney will be there, our attorney will be there. It's nerve-wracking. Um, and also in this process, you, you can imagine um, the things that are said about me, right? That... that I feel aren't true. I feel that I've done due diligence in my job. I, I've, I've done what I've been asked in holding people accountable. Um, 
pray for me for tomorrow, please? Um, because I have to, again, it's, there's cross-examination, um, and I just want to be truthful. And I want to tell the truth. Um, that eventually, after the hearing, um, if it doesn't go the way the individual uh, wants it to, it'll end up in court. Um, it, it, the court of common pleas, it would hear it as an appeal. That being said, this individual also caught wind that the other enemy filed a civil rights lawsuit, so she as well has filed a sex discrimination lawsuit against, namely, myself and, and the superintendent. So, <sighs> I have enemies. <laughs> and it's hard to read scripture and say, love them, pray for them. But that's where I'm at. And, and I, I know I'm preaching myself tonight. Um, and oddly, my boss, who is not a Christian at all, said on Friday, he said, oh, just pray for him. Pray for him. And he knows, he knows me. And I said, you don't think that I am? And I told him, I said, I'm not going to just pray for him. I'm going to tell my church on Sunday night to pray for them. So please, church, if you can. And honestly, so this is how the enemy works. If the second individual would get another job, all this stuff would go away. It just disappears because um, she's got another job. Everything from the union side of things, everything in the court system, even the Ohio civil rights lawsuit that she has filed would all go away. We get a call on Friday from a neighboring district. Two of our administrators got a call from friends of theirs who work in the neighboring district saying, hey, what can you tell us about this individual? Do you know how easy it would be to lie, to say, She's great. You would love her. She is wonderful. But we can't. And so I told my friend, I said, listen, I'm the one that recommended non-renewal. If you want them to contact me, I will be upfront, honest with them. They said, no, I'm going to tell them what happened. And, you know, with this individual, if I had three years to coach this, this individual, they might be where we need them to be, but we don't have the time to commit. And so it really just comes down to timelines. So, but the enemy sneaks that in, and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to pray that she gets a job. I'm going to pray that she gets a job. But you know what? This morning I started thinking, like, no, I'm going to pray the will of God, whatever that is. I know the, the way I see it is all this goes away if she just gets another job in another district. But the truth is, is I want God's will to be done through this. <clears throat> so we're going to start... In 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. And I'm starting with this scripture because it's the scripture that I always tell my wife. <clears throat> whenever she tells me, you know, something's going on at work and she just feels that uh, whatever it may be, um, that her name is being drugged through the mud or whatever it may be. Um, I always go to the scripture. And it's hard when you're in the middle of it to tell yourself these scriptures. Um, and so Carrie had a rough week last week, and I told her, I said, listen, they better figure it out soon, because if not, I'm going in there. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'm going to go in and tell that person to keep my wife's name out of their mouth. And she said, Chase, you can't do that. I'm like, you're right. And so we did. We went together and said, what, what does the Bible say? And, and so, and Carrie said, Chase, I've been trying to love them. I've been trying to to pray for them, but it's not getting any better. And I can tell you from my angle, this is, I found out in, in early January about everything that's been going on, and 
It hasn't gotten any better. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that once the, the first individual, once everything in the civil rights suit is out, she's going to come at us personally. That will keep you awake at night. I, I'm sitting here in my bed thinking, she's going to come after my house. She's going to come after everything I own. And the enemy will let uh, those thoughts just linger. What does scripture say about that? What does scripture say if someone tries to sue you? It says if they take your coat, give them your cloak as well. That's a hard pill to swallow, church. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you uh, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted and courteous. Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling. You know, it would be really easy for me to say, hey, these people are the scum of the earth. You know what I could tell you about them? And I can go off listing all the terrible things about them. I could go around and tell all the people I work with, right? All the negative things about all these individuals. But scripture says to not return reviling for reviling. It also says not to repay evil for evil because I'm sitting in my, my room and I'm thinking, if I could get the Board of Education to pay for it, I'd sue her. Tell you what, I'm not going to pay for it because I don't have the money to sue her, but man, I would sue her for defamation of character. And I, you know, I'm thinking about these things at night, but Scripture says not to repay evil for evil. Scripture also says to be wary when everybody says good of you. There's a reason these people are speaking evil of myself and, and, and my boss. Because we're doing what's right and they don't like it. But on the contrary, blessing. So you're to repay evil and reviling with blessing. Knowing that you were called for this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life... And see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. Church, that's hard. It's hard. Especially when you know things. And you've got details. It's really hard not to let that tongue just fly. The scripture says, Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Church, we have to be the ones who are different. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Church, this is the stuff that will help you sleep at night. Don't be troubled by their threats. Don't worry about that. In Exodus, it says, I will make your enemies my enemies. Our enemies are God's enemies. That's good. That's where we have to rest. We can't, we can't stew over the person speaking evil of us or doing evil to us. We can't spend our energy on the evil. And I've heard it said this way. I believe there are 1,440 minutes in a day. If somebody, let's say you had $1,440 in your bank account, and somebody stole 10 of them, stole $10 from you, 
would you spend the other 1430 trying to catch that $10? Think about that. You wouldn't do it with money, but we do it with time. We say, oh, that person said this about me. And so we catch a glimpse, they ruin 10 minutes of our day. And we spend the rest of our day worrying, stewing, and being upset. And scripture tells us not even to worry about that. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. You know what? Sue me. Right? Sue me. Scripture says not to worry about their threats. It's easy for me to say when I'm preaching. See if I sleep tonight. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I always tell Carrie this scripture. Anytime she comes back and she she says, Chase, I just, I can't do it. This person's saying this about me. They're lying about, they're saying I'm doing this. I'm not, and she gets frustrated. And I always tell her, having a good conscience that when the, uh, they defame you as an evildoer. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. See, your actions, and I always tell her this, your reputation precedes you. People know, the truth comes out. People know the good that you do. The problem is, I always call them the vocal minority. Okay? The vocal minority. The people who are screaming the loudest, they're the minority. Your enemies are the minority. When you look around this church, you've got people who love you, who care about you, who know you. You go to work or, or whatever your days take you. The people around you who know you, know your character, know your relationship with Christ, know what you stand for. But rather than take peace in that, we let the vocal minority, that 5 to 10% of people, ruin our entire days, our weeks. Some people let it ruin their lives, church. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for evil. If you will, turn with me to Luke uh, chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 27. It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. That's hard. That's hard. And it's funny because I was reflecting back on, on preaching. I'm like, I wonder if I preached on this already because I feel like I have. And, and, and I look back in February was about forgiveness and forgiving those who do wrong against you. This is one step further. And you have to forgive first before you can go on loving. But I love my family. That's easy. I love my parents, I love my siblings, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my extended family, I love my church family, but church, that's easy. Those people that I named love me back. 
They show compassion for me. That's easy to do. But to love your enemies, those who sit down and pencil lies and deceit with your name in it, people who gossip about you, lie about you, Scripture says to love your enemies. We can't do that alone. The only way we can do that is by the, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and th- through the power of Almighty God. Do good to those who hate you. That's hard, church, to do good to those who hate you. What would I do today if one of those two individuals' house burnt down? One of my friend's house burnt down a couple years ago, and, and I, Carrie and I took him food or gave him a, I don't know, 20 bucks or whatever. I don't even remember. But I stopped and visited him. He's like, man, you didn't have to do that. And he was living with his mom. His family was, I, I said, no, you know, we're, we're good friends. We carpooled for two years. I wanted to. But what if one of those two individuals' houses burnt down? Our attitude would be, serves them right. You shouldn't be such an evil person. You shouldn't be such a jerk. Bad things wouldn't happen to you. Good. Karma, right? You know, we pulled some other religion's fate, right? Scripture says to do good to those who hate you. To do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. I guarantee you these people curse me. 100% 100% guarantee it. Had a meeting with a group of teachers at the end of the school year. More lies and deceit from someone else, lying to them about a professional development that I have planned for this school year. Someone caught wind of it, fabricated a whole big story about it, lied to them, scared them, got them upset. They're all worked up, they're crying. And then one of them finally spoke up and she said, there's just a lot of trust issues. You know, we're afraid that you're going to walk in our room and we're going to be, you know, kids are going to be on the floor doing a puzzle and we're going to get fired. And, and I looked at each and every one of them and I told them, I said, if you have a trust issue with me, you need to talk to me. We need to talk about this. None of them have. I know, though, that's the evidence that people are cursing me. People were speaking badly about me. But you know what? Scripture says to bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. In that situation, somebody spitefully used me. They actually took something that I had worked really hard to organize and to plan, and they tried to undermine the entire process to scare someone. Scripture tells me to to pray for them. That's hard, church. To pray for people who... It it goes directly against everything inside of us. I want to pray for the people I love. We teach our kids to do that. Right? Okay, who do you want to pray for? And they pray for their siblings. They pray for their cousins. They pray for their grandmas and grandpas. Then I'll pray for the kid that's beating them up at, at, at daycare. Or pension them, right? 
we, it's ingrained in us to not want to pray for people who spitefully use us. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And for him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you should also do likewise to them. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Church, it's so true. It's so easy to love people who love you back. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. See, church, what the scripture is saying is, you know, it's easy to do that to the people we love. It's easy to to give to them, to love them. It's hard to do that to our enemies. 35, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful, and evil. See, church, we bear the name of Christian, which means Christ-like. And our Father in heaven and Christ are kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That's how we ought to live. If you will, turn to Matthew, very similar scripture, Matthew chapter 5. Verse 38, you have heard that, uh, that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I'll tell you, early on with a lot of this stuff, that's what I wanted. I was coming up ready to fight, you know, because that's in me. It's in all of us. I was ready to fight. <clears throat> I wanted to do the same to them that they were doing to me. I was just thinking of more clever ways to do it. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. You know, if we would read through Matthew, I think it talks a lot about not storing up treasures on earth. Church, if someone on this earth wants to come and take my earthly possessions, go right ahead. My treasures are in heaven. With my family and my relationship with Christ, what else do I need? I'll figure it out. If they want to come for every single thing that I own, and I am being completely honest, I would not put it past this person. Scripture says, if they come to take your tunic, give them your cloak as well. You want my house? Take my car too. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? The point is, they're earthly possessions. What does it matter? They've got their reward. They want to sue you. They want to come against you. They want to take your earthly possessions. There's their reward. 
but you allowing them to have it and taking other earthly possessions is storing up treasures in heaven. See, your reward will be great in the end. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow, uh, do not turn away. You have heard that it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you want, uh, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. And I have a story about greeting. This is, and as I was driving here, I was thinking about this. <clears throat> okay, so mid-April, I made the recommendation to the superintendent not to renew this individual. Everything blows up. This individual uh, comes back to work and is walking the hallways. And I turn a corner, and she's walking right at me. And there's no one else in the hallway. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't turn around. I can't. What am I going to do? Can't ignore her. And so... I said the first thing that came to my mind, which was, how are we doing today? Not a great question to ask, but Scripture says to greet your enemies, not just your brothers. It's easy for me to, you know, grab Jim's hand, give him a hug, saying, how are you doing this morning, brother? But Scripture says to greet your enemies. Now, with the other one, I've been very, very specific to be very nice to this individual because, well, she filed two civil rights lawsuits against me, so I thought it would be in my best interest to, to be nice and overly nice. <clears throat> but while we're on that, turn to Proverbs 24. Verse 17. It says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Now, my boss told me not to rejoice because he didn't want us to get sued again. But scripture says, Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. You know, we, um, when, I, when I first got into the position I'm in, uh, my old superintendent said, Hey, I'm going to give you a bit of advice, and I've probably, you've probably heard this before. He said, when you played football, what did your coach tell you when you scored your first varsity touchdown? I said, act like you've been there. He said, yeah. That's what you need to do with this job. There's going to be a lot of things coming from a lot of different angles. Just act like you've been there. And because nothing looks more ridiculous than, you know, a high school kid who scores his first touchdown, and he's jumping up and down, going crazy, and you know, like they won the game. You have to keep your composure. 
God's advice is better than that. It's better than act like you've been there. Because when you really think about that, it's kind of ridiculous. His scripture says, don't rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turn away his wrath from him. See, we, we know that scripture says your enemies will become my enemies. God says that. If, if you put your trust in him, you're a believer, his, your enemies will become his enemies. Verse 18 says, if, if, if God sees you rejoicing and being really happy when your enemy falls, it displeases the Lord, and the Lord will turn his wrath away from your enemies. Listen, I think that, you know, like, oh, I could send a zinger this way, and, and that's going to really stick with that person. Whose wrath do I want controlling this? Mine or God's? Honestly, I want the grace of God to fall heavily upon these two individuals and the mercy of God that I get to experience on a daily basis knowing that I'm a sinner saved by the grace of Almighty God. But Scripture tells us not to rejoice when our enemy falls. That's hard, church. It's hard not to do laps when I got a letter from the uh, Ohio Civil Rights Commission. It was hard. But we have to realize that our lives are in his hands, that he's in control. I'm going to end with this uh, set of scriptures. If you turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to start with uh, verse 14. Very similar scripture that we've heard a couple times already. But bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, uh, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no, no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Church, that's a huge burden of relief. Vengeance isn't ours. Actually, if you read in Luke chapter uh, 4, Jesus quotes a scripture from Isaiah. I think it's chapter 61. Um, and the last part of that scripture says, and bring, uh, and bring vengeance. And Jesus doesn't even say it. It's not even Jesus's uh, Vengeance isn't even Jesus's. It's the Lord's. It's the Father's. At His time and in His will. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, 
feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And when I look at this scripture, notice it doesn't say, if you want to heap coals of fire on your enemy's head. Right? See, God looks at the heart, and God knows your motives. And so if your motive is to be sarcastic, and your motive is to, hey, yeah, well, I'll give you some food because you were so mean to me, and look, doesn't that make you feel bad? Church, that's, that's not the intention. The intention is, that every single person, just as you have experienced salvation, should get the opportunity to see the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. As Christians, we have the opportunities on a daily basis to demonstrate grace. We didn't deserve our sins forgiven. We are given the opportunity with our enemies, with those who persecute us, those who hate us, we're given the opportunity to demonstrate the grace of Almighty God. That's an awesome thing. And it may even lead to their salvation. So our motive shouldn't be to dump hot coals on our enemy's head. Our motive should be to demonstrate grace and love. And hopefully those hot coals lead people to salvation. And they say, I don't know why this person's so nice to me. There's something different about this individual. I've done nothing but sow lies and deceit about that individual. They've done nothing but be nice and loving and caring to me. See, church, those hot coals could lead to salvation. Verse 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil. It's easy to become over, uh, be overcome by evil. It's easy. It's natural. It's the easy thing to do. To say, you know what? That person's a terrible individual. I hope terrible things happen to them. And then we could go out and speak lies and deceit. Could even be truth. But Scripture tells us not to do that. So we're not to be overcome by evil but to overcome evil with good. <clears throat> so church, I, I'm going to take time. I'm going to pray for my enemies. The altars are open. I'm sure you have enemies that need pray, uh, prayed for. Uh, and ask for godly wisdom to guide you and lead you that you may minister grace unto those individuals. <clears throat>